So recently, uh, at, on uh, one of our region's online uh, events for pastors and church leaders in, in the Great Lakes region, uh, the Wesleyan Church, we, uh, the speaker said, you need to use more visuals when you're speaking. And I thought, well, that's cool. I think I can do that once in a while. So we're going to do that today. We're going to have some stuff. So there's going to be more stuff on the screen than you're used to. One of those things is we're going to do right now. Uh, this is particularly for the young at heart. Ray? Crank it. Hey man, what's up in your eye, man? Looks like you got a little piece of sawdust or something in your eye right there. Or maybe it's one of those little sleepy in your eye. You know, when you, when you sleep too long or you have a cold, you gotta get that out of your eye, buddy. Let me go get you a tissue photo. I had something in my eye, too. I can see clearly now. <laughs> I can see all the... How's that song going again? all have a little fun once in a while, uh, especially with Bible readings. Hey, uh, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? Uh, specifically, what do you want out of your life? If you compare your life to an orchard, what do you want to harvest from it? Now, in Michigan, we have apple orchards and cherry orchards and other kinds of orchards, right? We have Christmas tree farms. We have, you know, so, but if your life was, is an orchard, think about this for a moment. When you reach the end of your time here, what do you intend to have? What kind of fruit do you want for your life? Better yet, what do you want out of your life this week? This 24 hours? Let me point something out that I know is pretty obvious, but I, sometimes we don't think about it. Uh, it may be very obvious to you, so please be patient with me. In a garden, and orchards, on farms and in forests, the seed you put in the ground will determine the fruit you will harvest, right? The seed you put in the ground determines what you will harvest. Bury an acorn and an oak tree will grow. As long as one of those sneaky squirrels doesn't dig it up and have it for a snack. <laughs> We have plenty of these to share. If you want one of these to, to remind you of today's message, there are several in the parking lot. <laughs> you plant those whirligig things, whirlers, helicopters, I don't know what you call them, but uh, you plant those and eventually you're going to get a maple tree. 
By the way, what's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. <laughs> that is correct. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. When is the second best time to plant a tree? Today. Today. Yeah. Gardeners plant corn seeds in their plots to harvest corn, not tomatoes or beans. If you want to harvest beans, you plant beans. If you want to harvest tomatoes, you plant tomatoes. If you want zucchini, you plant one zucchini seed. Because ain't nobody wants enough for the entire county. Right? Nobody wants that much zucchini. The seed you plant determines what you will harvest. This, this concept can be called the, the law of planting and harvesting. This is the way the world works. What you plant, you harvest. And almost every time, when all goes well, because that's the way we, when we're planting, we want it to go well, almost always you harvest much more of it. So you put, that's why you only plant one zucchini seed. Because you get much more back in the way of zucchini. So, someone said you can count the seeds in an apple, but you, only God can count the apples in a seed. Jesus applied this law of planting and harvesting to our lives. He said, you will harvest from your life whatever you plant in it and you'll get more of it as well that's good news and bad news what you plant is what you harvest and you'll harvest more of it than what you planted check this out with me uh, we're going to be in luke uh, chapter 6 Verses 37 to 45, you can follow along on the screen. You can uh, read uh, in your own Bibles, or you can follow along in the version event as well. Jesus said, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. Now, by the way, I'm just going to pause right here, uh, because this is one of those Bible promises that gets stuck in those little Bible promise card boxes. Or, or on, on, they, they share these things online because this is really a positive message. Give, be generous, and it will be given to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, running over, and it will be poured into your lap. Yes, give. This is true for all of these things, not just giving. Jesus went on to say, because the measure you use will be the measure you receive. Throw out a little forgiveness, you're going to get back a, a little more forgiveness. Throw out a little love, you're going to get back a little more love. Throw out a little judgment, you're going to get back a little more judgment. Throw out a lot of condemnation, and you're going to get back way more condemnation than you really want to mess with. 
That's what he's saying. Replies here. So again, what do you want to harvest? What? The answer to that question is what do you want to plant? Plant judgments of others? You know, we harvest. You'll harvest judgment. You'll harvest judgment not only from others, but from God. That's not, you know, that's a little bit on the scary side. Plant condemnation and you're going to harvest being condemned. Plant forgiveness and harvest being forgiven. Not just by other people, but by God. Jesus said, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Plant generosity, and you're going to harvest more generosity. That's good news and bad news. Whatever you plant, you will receive an abundant harvest of it. Go back to Jesus' sermon. He also told them a parable. Someone who is blind cannot lead another who is blind. Can he? Won't they both fall into a pit? Okay, so plant blindness and harvest a disastrous fall. That's what he's saying. He says then, also, a disciple is not greater than his teacher, but everyone who, when fully trained, will be like his teacher. Plant time with Jesus, the greatest teacher, and harvest becoming like him. I want to point out something to you about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Because sometimes I think we, we, we kind of lean too far to one side. Mm. You notice what he said? Or what he didn't say? Let, let's see what he didn't say. He did not say, a disciple is not greater than his teacher, but, whenever, but everyone when fully trained will know everything the teacher knows. Mm. That's not what he said. We tend to lean, we tend to lean toward thinking, learning, knowing stuff. If we just teach enough Bible stories, if we just teach enough uh, Bible principles, if we just do this enough, we're going to make disciples. That's part of it. I mean, you've got to know about Jesus to, you know, be taught by Jesus. But the goal of discipleship, of being a follower of Jesus, is not to know everything Jesus knows, because one, that's impossible, but two, it, it, he wants us to be like him. He wants to teach us to think like him, to act like him, to relate to people like him. So that when you are a fully trained disciple of Jesus, when you show up, it's the same thing as Jesus showing up as you. Jesus goes on to say, Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but fail to see the beam of wood in your own? I dare you not to think about the cartoon I showed you just a few minutes ago. <laughs> How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck from your eye while you yourself don't see the beam in your own? 
you hypocrite. First remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, plant pointing out someone else's faults in harvest, no one's faults being fixed. Plant pointing out someone else's faults to them or to anyone else, and not only will their fault not be changed or corrected, your faults aren't going to be corrected. Jesus says, bluntly, uh, you're a hypocrite. Unless you take the beam out of your own eye, take care of your own issues first. This all falls under that idea of blind people leading blind people. Because, you know, I, as, a, as a guy who has suffered from the joys of seasonal allergies, seasonal meaning anything outside of January, February, yeah, uh, that's about it. Uh, the rest of the months, uh, my eyes, water, itch, burn, always irritated. You know what? It's really hard to read. It's really hard sometimes to drive. So stay off the road during those months. Why if you're, you know, okay, no. Uh, because there's stuff in my eyes. It's little. It's pollen. It's dust. It's whatever. I knew yesterday. I'd, I'd had a couple of pretty good days, and I knew yesterday the wind must have shifted. Because all of a sudden my eyes were water and my nose was all stopped up, and I was miserable. And sure enough, I went outside, and the wind, for some reason, when the wind comes from the south, the southwest, living here, Whatever's down there it is, doesn't like me. It's hard to see. It's hard to do stuff. Well, uh, don't try to figure out what's down there. Okay, just forget that. So Jesus goes on to say, no good tree. No good tree bears bad fruit or diseased fruit. Nor again does a bad tree or diseased tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns. Figs come off of a fig tree. Grapes are not picked from brambles. They come off of a grapevine, right? So this, again, is that law of planting and harvesting. Whatever you plant, you will harvest much more of it. Whatever you plant, you're going to get. Then he says, the good person out of the good treasury of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasury produces evil. And now the punchline, if you want to call it this, I would call it Jesus' sermon in a sentence. His mouth speaks from what fills his heart. Think about that for a moment. It's like, uh -huh, yeah, I know all about apples come from apple trees. Sure, Jesus, I know figs come from fig trees. Grapes come from grapevines. Everybody knows this. And then he hits the zinger. And what comes out of your mouth shows what you've planted in your heart. Now, if you're like most people, you believe your heart is filled with love. We believe. We tend, as a, as a society, we tend to say... 
You're born a blank slate. You're born a good person. If bad things happen to you, and that's why you end up being bad. But, but the question is, really, what's planted in your heart? It, how do you know what's planted in your heart? What's coming out of your mouth? Is love growing? Is love the fruit growing in your orchard? Are you harvesting love? Are you speaking love? Are you speaking kindness? If you're if your harvest is worry, then there must be insecurity planted in you. If your harvest resentment and bitterness, then unforgiveness is planted in you. So how can you change your harvest? Well, you change your harvest by changing what's planted in your heart. Okay, so how do you change what's planted in your heart? You can't. Somebody's a half step ahead of me. I heard him. <laughs> Only Jesus can plant love in your heart so you can harvest more love in your heart. He can plant peace in your heart so you harvest peace. He can plant forgiveness so you plant, harvest forgiveness. He can plant generosity so that you harvest generosity. Jesus plants the Holy Spirit in your heart. So you harvest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So let's go back to my opening question. What do you want to harvest out of your life? What do you want from your life? Is there anything on this list? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is there anything on that list that you're going, nah, I can live without that? So what are you harvesting? How satisfied are you with your harvest? See, only Jesus can plant love in your heart so you harvest love. Jesus plants the Holy Spirit in you so you receive and produce those fruit, that, that fruit of the Spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What do you want out of life? What do you want out of your life? What are you willing to do to get it? Daddy. So, when's the best time to ask Jesus to plant the Spirit in your heart? Now. 20 years ago was, you know, probably too early for several of you. 20 years ago is long gone. But now... This is the best time. Now, just like planting uh, an apple tree involves burying a tree. So you gotta, you, you gotta buy the tree, you gotta pick a spot that you wanna plant the tree, you gotta dig a hole. If you've ever planted a tree, you know all these things are involved. You gotta dig the hole, loosen up the soil, put the roots down in there, break it up so they can get free, bury it, water it. There are all kinds of steps that you need to do before you'll ever have the opportunity to harvest your very first apple off of that apple tree. Just like that, there are some steps involved in asking Jesus to plant the Holy Spirit in your heart. 
so I want to share those with you. I, I could, don't want it to be just general. There's some specific things that you can do. Uh, first of all, you need to ask Jesus to increase your desire for more of the Holy Spirit. How strong is your desire for the Holy Spirit to be firmly, deeply planted in your life? Are you curious? Uh, or consumed by the idea? Or are you somewhere in between? You see, we have exactly as much of the Spirit as we really want. So ask Jesus to increase your desire for more of the Holy Spirit. Another step, ask Jesus to increase your will to surrender every facet of your life to Him. Ask Him to dig out anything that keeps the Holy Spirit from being in control. An author in a book called Death on a Friday Afternoon. I, the title is intriguing alone. But he, he says this, it is our determination to be independent by being in control that makes us unavailable to God. If I understand him correctly, what he's saying is everything that we try to control, we're basically saying, God, you don't know what you're doing here. Let me do it for you. And he says, okay. Call me when you're ready. So in which areas of your life are you clinging to control? And let's just think about this for a moment. What do we harvest by clinging to control that the Holy Spirit couldn't do a far better job with? We need to ask for more desire. We need to ask for more will to surrender and to release control. And we need to ask Jesus to increase our confidence in his promise that he will plant the Holy Spirit in you. This is his promise. Jesus promises you keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Did you hear any exceptions? Hint, no. Right? Everyone. The only thing you gotta do is ask, seek, and knock. Just keep on asking, seeking, and knocking, and you will receive. That's what he says. And then he explains it. Parents, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Ew! Yeah, okay. Or, or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Then Jesus says, so... If you parents, with all of your shortcomings and failures, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit 
to you who ask. Ask Jesus to plant the Holy Spirit in your heart. If not now, when? Ask Jesus to plant the Spirit in your heart and keep on asking. He will do it. Let's pray. King Jesus, whether we followed you for a long time or a short time, whether we've prayed prayers like this before or have never prayed this kind of prayer, we need you to expand the Holy Spirit's orchard in our lives. We need you to plant him. We believe you want to plant the Holy Spirit in us far more than we want to receive him, even far more than we think we want to receive him. We don't have to overcome reluctance on your part. We need to overcome our lack of interest and sense of need, and we need to take hold of your willingness and not let go. Increase the intensity of our desire for the Holy Spirit and the harvest that only He can bring. We know you will say yes to our request, but honestly, we keep meddling. We hang on to injuries, habits, and anxieties. And so we ask you to help us loosen our grip on the illusion that somehow we can control things. Take away every hindrance. Help us to surrender to your wise, loving power. We want you to do in us and through us what only you can do. King Jesus, plant the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we're going to keep on asking until we've removed every obstacle, gotten rid of every injury, and every hurt, and every worry, and every anxiety. We know you will plant the Holy Spirit in us, and we will harvest wonderful things from our lives, things like love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because we believe your promise, we will not settle for anything else. Amen. Thank you for uh, connecting with us and uh, remind you, Jesus sends us out with confidence in his promises. He sends us to tell the world of his saving acts and to introduce others to his amazing grace. You are sent in the power and the purity and the love of the Holy Spirit.
Go.